Hello, I'm Alessandro Miro and I'm 510. You don't need to slate. This is an advertisement. Just tell them about the show. What show? The one you do, you know, where you mess up every audition? I mess up audition? Yeah. How to make it in Hollywood when you're foreign AF? What's that? Your YouTube series. Ah, the one where I become movie star? Sure. Yes, okay. Uh, radio people, hello. Uh, subscribe to Almiro Studios channel on YouTube and watch How to Make It in Hollywood when you are foreign AF. That was so great. We're just going to need to take that again with no accent. The listeners might not be able to understand you otherwise. Why can't you just put subtitles? You no, know we're on the right. Just try British accent. How to make it in Hollywood when you are foreign AF, like, like... Yeah. I'm just gonna do it. Watch How to Make It in Hollywood when you are foreign AF on YouTube channel Almiro Studios. Don't forget to subscribe. And follow me on Instagram at foreign AF series. That's foreign AF series. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Firminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. Today, I am delighted to welcome Jenica Harper, Jenica Harper, <laughs> to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I, I just asked Jenica how to pronounce her last name, and she said Harper, but she was just giving me a hard time. Okay. Have you watched Jan yet? If not, what the heck? It's a beacon of joy in a bleak, bleak world, and it stars one of our own one-name legendary divas, Jan Jen Arden, as a fictionalized version of herself. It's loosely based on events from her own life. It's funny. It's melancholy. It's humanity and hilarity and hubris all wrapped up into one tantalizing morsel of character-driven sitcom goodness, which seems like an overstatement until you see the character of Jan stuck straddling a barbed wire fence with tears pouring down your face from laughing so hard, and you realize that there truly are no words to accurately articulate its unique combo of humanity, hilarity, and hubris. And FYI, Jan features friend of the podcast Sharon Taylor in the role of Cynthia, Jan's once and maybe future girlfriend. Jan is where I first learned about Jenica Harper, Jan's co-creator and showrunner. It is not the first time I've enjoyed her work. Jenica's filmography includes some of my favorite series of last decade. The Order, Somewhere Between, The Murders, Motive, Cardinal, and some family favorites like Mr. Young and Some Assembly Required. Jenica is a published author and poet and was recently nominated for a whack of Canadian Screenwriting Awards for her work on Jan. I believe that's the technical term whack. is a whole whack, as well as a Writers Guild of Canada Screenwriting Award. So let's talk show running. Okay. Let's talk writing and writer's rooms, which is one of my favorite places I've never been. And let's talk Jan. Jenica Harper. Done. Let's do it. Welcome. I have to welcome you oh, first. Oh, sorry. Jesus. Let's just talk. 
we've never <laughs> met before, and yet this already feels very comfortable. Jenica Harper, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will have to give a disclaimer, however. Um, regular listeners to the podcast know that we essentially record in an alley. We can hear the angry Whole Foods delivery drivers. They are a special breed of angry. angry. Surprisingly. You think mellow. No. No. Kale gets people riled up. Um, (laughs) But there is also uh, some construction in the office block today. The math school next door is doing some construction to make themselves more mathy. So there might be some extra construction sounds, but we these are really good mics and yeah. I mean, this is what we do in (laughs) the Canadian film and television industry, right? We we deal. All right. So I I told you I was going to give you the opportunity to um, rebut my my (laughs) thesis statement. Yeah. So like, how closely does my thesis statement resemble how you see yourself? Like, what did I get anything wrong? Um. Yes. I'm, what? I'm afraid to say. No, I think there's something on my IMDb page that actually is, I should not take credit for, which is the murders, the moedos. The murders. Um, I had the great pleasure of coming in and developing some um, stories for a potential season two. So I did like a development room with uh, Damon Vignali, the wonderful ah, Vancouver showrunner yeah. Damon Vignali, um, along with Sonia Bennett, the fabulous Sonia Bennett. Um, friend of the podcast. Friend Sonya of the Bennett. podcast. I feel kind of like everybody in our industry is kind of a friend of the podcast now. It's getting there. Which is good. Um, <laughs> I mean, friends are good. Yeah. Um, but her her butt has been in that chair, yeah. is what I'm saying. I felt it. I yeah. actually thought I felt a force. Yeah. I knew. It was like, <laughs> Bennett's been here. <laughs> um, uh, um, oh, it's no. going to be one of those kind of <laughs> yeah, episodes. Sorry. So, okay. So so I, 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 I some zealous person did um, add me to IMDb and I have meant to de- deal with that I can't take credit for season one I think they did an amazing job it's a great show yeah they did a great show yeah. uh, it's I don't think it's coming back so mm. I got to do some story building for for some imaginary episodes you may not ever see okay. but um so that's the one thing that I just want to make clear that I don't want to take anything away from you know Karen Hill and Laura Good you know what let the people that did work on season one like that I, I mean that's Excellent that you brought that up because that is on IMDb and that's yeah. also kind of a IMDb lies. It should yeah, be called LiMDB. Yeah, LiMDB. Yeah. But I like I I use it frequently. Know. You Me know, too. like because I'm like, oh, they worked on that. Oh, they'll get. I'm like, whoa. You know, so that's a cautionary tale. Then we will not edit it's, that out. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how. For a long time, I feel like when you're getting going, you like you check your IMDb page really regularly because you're like, I did a thing. Is it reflected? Yeah. Is my thing reflected? <laughs> and then after a while, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, right, right. What's on there? What does it say? Um, and that's a that's a, a lovely, privileged place to be. But also, like, I do feel bad when I get credit for something I shouldn't get credit for. So I should take care of that. Yeah. Um, or... You know, somehow. or not, or not. What? You yeah. Know what? I think we've established. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And you heard it here first. Yes. You know, get there it, you go. get it from the I source. Think, yeah. All right, Jenica, you've listened to the podcast before, mm-hmm. have you? Mm-hmm. I think you have. Yeah. Okay. Good. It, it wasn't a test or anything. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, because so, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that we love to begin with some time travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, you get to choose your time travel vehicle of choice. Okay. Um. Okay. Right. You want me to give you yeah. some options? Um, well, I don't want a phone booth. Don't That's want the phone booth. Right. Don't um, want the police box. Do you want? I don't want the police box. Yeah, do you yeah, want? Uh, um, I'll go with a DeLorean. DeLorean. Yes, please. Do you know that we actually had a DeLorean 
um, appear in a time travel episode of one of the kids shows I did, Mr. Young. Wow. And I do have pictures of myself coming out of a DeLorean and checking my watch. It was a good time. That's amazing. I will go with DeLorean. Okay. Please. Okay, but we are not going to take the DeLorean to go back to that moment when you're getting out of the DeLorean. Where okay. I want to go, I mean, that would have been cool. <laughs> a little bit of a, bit, a little bit. I mean, it's Monday, and I would, it's just like I can't handle that on a Monday, especially. Um, no, I want to go I want to go back to your childhood. Okay. Yeah, it's getting mm-hmm. a little therapy right mm-hmm. now. We're going back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, to meet, like, the earliest version of you as a as a storyteller like you know so mm-hmm. bring me back to like so my daughter's nine mm-hmm. it's a very pure age you know yes. she has a clear idea about what she wants and what she doesn't want and what her future is going to be and how she experienced the world so i want to meet you okay at nine I like nine so where are we first of all kingston ontario no way yep. i went to Toast. queens nice yeah my grandparents lived in brockville I applied yeah, I mean, it's, uh, to do Queen to go to Queens for like concurrent education where mm-hmm. you can get both. Con Ed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, you can tell I didn't go because I don't even know the short form. Um, it's yeah, a little overrated. I didn't write, quite know what to be doing yeah. at that time. I didn't think that you could go. I was always I always loved writing. Writing is something that I was a I was that kid writing a poem for Remembrance Day assemblies. You know, when I was in middle school or whatever. Um, but. Anyway, the Queens thing. Yeah. So I was in Kingston. But can, I was so nine. I can actually picture it. Yeah. It's such a, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to go to Queens is because Kingston, especially in the summertime, yeah. is a lovely yeah. old town with yeah. the buskers and the Thousand Islands. Yeah. And, and, the and then I was it's penitentiary, so... which I got to go yeah. to because <laughs> I worked for the wig for, for uh, uh, a okay, summer. Yeah. It's not the nicest from like September to April. Yeah. <laughs> but the but summer. So few places <laughs> in Canada are. I know. But that's actually, it's. It's a it's a very historic part of uh, yeah. part of yeah. Canada. I had a few a few years of really um, key childhood years were in um, in Kingston. Yeah, and so that's where I was. Um, I was a kid who loved books. I mean, I definitely was that kid who on the summer vacation would be like, yeah, 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 I'll go swimming in a second. I just have to finish this. Like, what were you reading? The new Nancy Drew or whatever. Oh. You know, yeah. like they had the the contemporary ones. Um, I mean, I read a lot of stuff. I was more of a probably a contemporary lit kid than a fantasy lit kid, yeah. even though as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into fantasy um, and genre stuff. So, so, okay, so yeah. mysteries. Judy Bloom. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Judy Bloom. She's so formative um, for me. I'm trying to remember some of the other authors, but like. Um, you know, Beverly Cleary. Beverly Cleary, And then yeah. the, there's kind of those authors and then they kind of level you up into more YA stuff that's a bit older. And some of the horror stuff actually was great when we were growing up. Yeah. You know, um, oh, God. V.C. Andrews and yeah. Mary Oh, Higgins yeah. Clark I mean, when I was in when I was in grade six, I think I remember most of the kids in our class going through V.C. Andrews. I don't think the adults had any idea. What was going on yeah, in Yeah, that we books. were passing yeah. around these like incest. Christopher Pumpkin. Yeah, incest yeah. Uh, how-tos. I will say that like, YA has gotten a lot better. <laughs> well, we were reading in like the 80s and 90s, not so. It's just like high incest focus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they were very, obviously very like salacious and sexy yeah. and fun. Um, and, but that, yeah, that kind of stuff or the Christopher Pike stuff, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, loved that stuff. 
So I wasn't allowed to bring those into the house, but I would like oh. borrow them. Yeah, because oh. like my mom, ha- oh, I hope, hey, she listens to the <laughs> podcast. I never said that. Um, you know, because like I was also, I was reading and she wanted me to read like things that were yeah, a little bit more appropriate. appropriate or elevated. Like I yeah. could read a mystery, but it had to be like Agatha Christie, right. you know, or Dick Francis or, you know, or whatever. Right. And I wanted, you know, I, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't allowed to bring Sweet Valley High. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't allowed to bring, um, yeah, Christopher Pike, but I totally mm. still read them. Just had to find other ways to do it. I think that's good. Yeah. You know, if you can make it, I feel like if you can make it so that your kid finds reading certain books, like, really, you know, naughty and yeah. like, I'm going to I'm gonna rebel by reading these extra books. It's like, okay, I mean, you're doing okay, right? Yeah. So then you're reading all of this. Mm-hmm. You're, you're taking in all of these, mm-hmm. all of these stories. Um what did you want to be when you grow up? Like, what were you, what were you articulating? Was it, I want to tell stories? I don't think I did. I, I really did do it as a hobby. I mean, I had a good friend in the Kingston years, um, and we, you know, wrote, quote, novels. You mm-hmm. know, the sense that we would, like, hand write in full scap or whatever. Um, full you know, scap! Yeah, I remember full scap. <laughs> do they still make full scap? I, I honestly do not know. I used the word I to my kid, and know. she didn't know I what I was think talking so. about. I don't oh, think man. so. They don't use trapper keepers either. I, it's a real different age. Um, <sighs> they're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, we turned out ideal humans. Totally specimens. fine. I've spent so much time <laughs> therapy, but it's fine. We're fine. Yeah. It's all fine. It's all fine. Um, but we wrote, you know, these long stories, and um, and I cannot tell you anything about them now. It wasn't like they were planned out or anything like that. But I did sort of fancy us, you know, novelists. But I don't think as I the older I got, I mean, I mean, even by the time I was in junior high, um, I did not really think of being a writer as um, a real achievable career. Yeah, and didn't really see that modeled at all. Um, at the time, I was much more of a book person, a literary person, and and going into high school, that remained true. And it, it eventually it started to be like, well, I guess I'll just study English and maybe become a teacher or a professor or something like that. And Those are the options when yeah. you love to read and you love to write, but you're like, oh, and okay, that, so English, so, be a teacher. Yeah. yeah. It's like, but if you, I think teachers Which like, is strange need because to be teachers. Mo- and plus, most English teachers very obviously don't love the work they're teaching. So it's, I don't know what I saw modeled. Yeah. I did have a couple of incredible um, high school English teachers and then a couple of not so incredible high school teachers that were clearly like doing a job. Um, so... But I didn't really think, and I and the the idea of be going into academia and becoming like a professor or something felt um, like an option, but not an easy option. So yeah. it's sort of like, oh, that sounds that's like looks quite challenging to achieve without actually being something I'm particularly excited to do. So yeah. I was kind of winging it a little bit for a while. I would say in high school and going into university. Um, and it wasn't until I was in university and applying to grad school that I actually thought. I mean, real, the re- very honest truth is I fell in love with the idea of screenwriting in in my undergrad. And I hmm. and I had um, I had a boyfriend who was a major film guy. And that just kind of brought my attention closer to sort of what the jobs of film are. And obviously, I, I love to write. So I, I sort of took all the creative writing electives you can take at this was at University of Toronto at the time. I took you, everything I you could. You did get into Queens, but you got into U of T. Yeah. I mean, I, that's I pretty know. great. I, it's like, you know, I don't know. These schools was, are fickle. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was that, that that program at Queens is insanely competitive, which is good. It prevented me from probably going and pursuing something that I didn't ultimately particularly want to do. You got to go and to Toronto. I you was trying to, to leave town. So, 
Um, and I went with a few friends, and we st- we lived in our first dorm style apartments together, and it was great. Um, it was really wonderful, and I and I delved into film classes and writing classes. Did you have an idea of genre at that time when you were first getting your you know getting your toes kind of into mm. it? Um, I would say probably dramatic. I think I leaned more dramatic than comedic at that time. But again, that's possibly partly because, I mean, all of these things kind of require a certain level of confidence and and belief that that's a real thing. And I mean, the mm. idea that I would just decide to pursue writing in any kind of professional way, and then also try to pursue comedy in any professional way was sort of, it did not really occur to me when I was 20. I mean, did I, was I the one that wanted to make my friends laugh? A hundred percent. But the idea of sort of like- No, you're so serious. This has been the most serious (laughs) episode thus far. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a real, I'm a real thinker. yeah, it, it did. It did. I did not get there. No, and, and even when so I did end up doing grad school out here at UBC. Uh, I did the MFA at UBC in creative oh. writing, and that was that's what brought me to Vancouver and what you know why I've stayed all these years since. And and I sort of I said oh because I know that oh. that's a very that's a very competitive program. It is. That's a, a, it is. I was very excited to get into that program and I, I mean it really did shape the course of my life because I wouldn't be here without having moved out for that program mm-hmm. had some amazing mentors there Linda Svensson and Peggy Thompson and um, <gasps> Peggy Thompson. yeah and fell in love with you know one of the very few straight guys in our department um, so my husband <laughs> of many years is is also a creative writing graduate um, met best friends all those kinds of things so um, yeah I came out and was still kind of working in more dramatic material, I would say. And then something kicked in here at UBC. And I think there's one class that really kind of, I don't know, reignited my love of comedy and the fact that I wanted to be working at least some of the time also in comedy. It didn't have to be the only thing. But um, we had a, I had a workshop class in that department uh, run by Linda Svensson. And the we were basically divided into small story rooms and we none of us had ever seen what a story room looked like but we were sort of sink or swim kind of thrown into this area we're like okay you're going to all pitch each other story ideas one of your ideas will be the show that you develop over the course of the term and then the four of you will develop the episodes like figure out the plots and then write i think we wrote i think we each wrote a script actually of this imaginary show and that really sparked it. That was so much fun. And um, the show that I had pitched was a comedy that we ended up writing. Um, and it was basically, I'll just tell you, it was called Luscious Avenue. And it was basically a comedy <laughs> the <name>. behind <laughs> the scenes of a soap opera. So it was like you're following the actors and the director and stuff behind the scenes of a soap. So um, it was so much fun. The characters were pretty over the top. Wow. It was a, it was a great time. Knowing some people who do work in serialized yeah. daytime in the States, <laughs> I can I can only imagine. I mean, you said fun and something clicked. Like, yeah. do, looking back, do you know, do you, do you recognize what it was about? You know, about, like, working in that collaborative? Yeah. Thing? I mean, I don't think it's for everyone. I think once you try it, it will be clear to you if it's for you. Yeah. And I mean, I think sometimes I've worked in story rooms where it's not for that person. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they kind of ended up in this field and they're not the most collaborative person. Most people are. And clearly feed off of the energy of other people and get excited about the idea that like you might have seven great ideas you want to put in your script, but then the other 10 are going to come from 
people throwing out their ideas and sharing yeah. and and the more brains makes for better work kind of idea so it was fun it was so I'm a, quite a social person it's a it's a, a another social way to work I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've tried to pretend to be cool and an introvert my whole life and it's just not it's not happening I think I, I know what I am I like other people I'm one of those people that does get energy from other people yeah um so I love being in the room. I love building stories that way. And I feel like the stories are better. It was clear even then when we, when none of us really had an idea what we're doing, um, it was still clear that you could, you were just building something. There was a gestalt kind of thing, right? It's like the whole, the sum was going to be bigger than any one of those I think that's the first time people. somebody has used the word gestalt. gestalt. Wow. Sorry to holler. Honestly, look German. what you missed, Queen's University. <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a wonderful. You know what I love? I love about about you, your description of that class is that not only were you getting a taste of of a uh, of a story room or the writers room. Mm -hmm. Is that the same thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Um I just didn't know if there's another space that I wanted to yearn to like go and just visit. <laughs> no. But you also <laughs> got you also got a taste of show running. You know, as well, was that taste, something yeah. at that time that that you wanted to do as well, or was the goal as you began your your career mm -hmm. development journey to write? It was to write, and yeah. honestly, that went for many years. I remember, I I think I completely blew one interview at one point. I was a really junior writer, and I was on the phone with uh, a Toronto producer and creator of a show who asked me the question, "Well, do you see yourself showrunning?" You know, and I was sort of like. I was like, bitch, I just want to get hired once. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's sort of like, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of like being hired in the mailroom and and somebody asking you, so do, do you have an interest in being CEO? You're like, sure, I yes, but there's like, it's so unfathomable at that moment. Yeah. And it did take many years to kind of break into just really being hireable in writer's rooms that, um, that I couldn't see it then. <laughs> and then it took a while. And and really being in the room and seeing what um, the producer level writers were doing. And and I had a really, I have had lots of great mentors. One was Dan Signer. I think I was telling you a little bit about him. Um, and he was the creator and showrunner of uh, Mr. Young and mm. Some Assembly Required. And he was a real, like, if I think that you're capable, I'm going to just start passing off responsibility especially if like I was a keener so I would ask I'd be like is there anything else I can help with um you know can do you want me to take that on for you you know and so you know got to be basically the writer on set very early in my career um and what fun being, sets to be on especially it, some oh, well, that was required. that was really insane like the the live the live studio audience was just a blast Those I mean for so for people fun. who don't know some assembly required like it was about a toy yes company uh, yes it was like kids it was like teenagers running a toy company yeah so it was um it was a lot of fun um with sort of a working roller coaster on the set yeah um and Ellie Harvey and Ellie Harvey who's brilliant <laughs> in a dual role yeah Ellie Harvey, <laughs> one with a lot of prosthetics um, Legendary really go check it out comedian actress yes. Ellie Hart, friend of the podcast. Not yeah. yet. What? I know. No, she's on list. Ellie. Oh my god! So I can't believe I beat her. Anyway, um, it's not a competition. Ooh, it is though. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not going to take your victory away from you. Anyway. anyway. Um, yeah, so so got to be on set, got to do notes on cuts at a, quite an early stage in my career and go and be and represent, you know, the the production at sound mixes and things like that. So I got to do a lot of producing quite early. Yeah. Um which 
definitely gave me the taste. And and then start being left in charge of the writing room too. You know, be, being the senior writer in the room, um, and to keep the the you know the train moving in the room was um, something I got to do quite. Early. So I was really thrown some opportunities early, and then um, I love it. You whacked. Sorry, I the whacked mic. the microphone. It was great. Talk with my hands. <laughs> um, you are a hand talker. I am a bit of a hand I talker. I am noticing that when I cross my arms like this, it's the body language is not supposed to be I'm closing down. It's supposed to be like just trying to keep my hands to myself for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, also we have a bit of a weird setup right now. We're sitting like next to a table yeah. because we've had some tables. Like it's just it's not the most natural like even I'm like trying to be like this is open body language just trying to roll with it um I guess I guess my question though is that like is is show running should that be the end goal for every writer or like or is it something like specific with specific personalities where in your case it almost seems like you an onion and then it was all these different layers you know that were being peeled away that's a really great question I feel like nobody really asked that question that's a great question because I think that if you ask somebody, let's say you ask a mid-level writer, do you want a show run? If they said no, I think they would be worried that there'd be a bit of stigma there that like, well, you're not ambitious, you don't care about your own voice, you only care about other people. But I think it would be a completely respectable thing to say that. And it should be. Like if somebody wanted to hang out at supervising producer or co-producer level because they know that they're good at all the things they bring to the table, but they don't especially want to be where the last buck is, you know, uh, past. um, I think that would be a completely reasonable thing. You know, the more producing you get, the less writing you're doing in a way. So or the less focus there is on the writing room and more on everything else, on the gestalt, if you will. Wow. I'm, real, I'm so sorry. I've been rewatching Frasier and it's totally <laughs> making me, it's bringing out my pretensions again. Um, Every once in a while, I bring out a little like, bit of yeah, Frasier they voice. Went away. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I'm like the most absurd, pretentious person you've ever met. Um, I hope. That's my goal. Uh, I'm so, really yeah. sorry. So, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> Having met yeah, some. Thank you. Never oh. had any in this. Oh, in yeah. This. You have actors here. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, 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 burn. Oh, you burn. Ouch. That actually is very painful. I know. But no, actors I haven't. Are probably like, yeah, whatever. No, I haven't had any super pretentious <laughs> actors. Uh, in well, that's here. true. I can think of, I can see the wall of the, you know, within, on your wall of selfies. And actually, I've met or worked with many of those, and they are not very pretentious people. No, because I mean, delightful. in this town, they're like, a lot of them are, they're working actors. Yeah. And actually, you, know? you can't afford to be too pretentious. No. The same with me, right? That's why I want to do multiple kinds of work. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think that for the most part, if you want to be a showrunner, it, it, is probably because it's probably probably not because you require that power. It's probably because you want to make the show that's yours, mm. and and you have a vision. You know, you want your vision to be sort of the last, um, you know, the the last word. And I mean, I do think that's a natural thing because for most of us, that's you know, I mean, the, the pure joy of like creating something yeah. is as important as learning to write in somebody else's voice and trying to match a show or whatever. Of course, you want to write something that's yours, but I think that um, all of us who get there sort of realize it is so much, you know, management and um, time management, and they really, they really do not, you know, prepare or teach you any of that. You're really sort of just winging it, becoming sort of a manager. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So then, if you could, if you could go back in time, then. Mm-hmm. We always do. We're still in the DeLorean. We got the <laughs> okay. DeLorean in our service. You know, and give yourself some of the advice that you've learned, you know, as, mm. as a showrunner, you know, because I'm assuming you've had challenges or made mistakes and stuff. Like, what, what are some things that, that, you know, some advice that you could give, 
you know, a, an earlier version of yourself? So well, uh, there's a couple things that come to mind. The first is something that I did take with me from um, a mentor who was a great um well, actually, I think I've learned something from all of my showrunners. So a couple of things I learned that I try to emulate, even if I'm not perfect at it, are um, to, you know, when stuff comes up, when fires happen, just look at what the problem is and, and what the solution might be and try not to get into the zone of whose fault is this? Mm. Uh, you know, how, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do it differently? Why didn't you try harder? Why, you know, instead of focusing on that, it's sort of like life's too short and the the, the honestly there's not enough time to do what you're trying to do anyway yeah just look at what the problem is and where and where what the next steps are if yeah. you can do that in a way that's a little bit emotionless I think that the days go better mm. because you're less thinking about like you're just less dwelling you know if you can dwell less on on um, the source of problems unless it's clear that like if there's somebody who's not pulling their weight that's different but mistakes happen and people and people's interpretations happen happen differently and it's like Some, good it advice is is, for life, you know? frankly. I mean, it's something that I aspire to. I am certainly not perfect at that. Sometimes I do have emotional reactions to things like, I was so clear, but I try never to say that out loud, you know, mm. that it's supposed to be we're all in the team together. And what's the point of trying, you know, you know, there's really not a lot of goal in making somebody feel bad. Yeah. There's only a goal in like, what are we doing next together? Yeah. So that is something I've tried to learn. Um, I do try to be... Um, as clear about the vision as possible. This is something that I learned from Dennis. I think he is very clear about what is the vision of the show um, and or even like of the scene and, or of this character um, and and try to express that. And if somebody's going down the wrong path, try to be really clear about, you know, what it's like, I don't want to do that for these reasons. I'd rather focus on this. Um, trying to really express, at which, which takes some doing, you know, figuring out how to articulate what internally is maybe more of a feeling or more of an impressionistic kind of feeling. You have to really try to articulate that yeah. stuff. Um, and then one of the other things that I think I've learned is really to try to take a step back and think big picture. I'm not going to say the G word again, but it is kind of to go for it. Oh, you say it so well. Oh, my God. I haven't said this <laughs> in about like 15 years, but three times in one day. Um, so... I, one of the things I did in season one was I was very focused on something that went wrong uh, to no one's fault, but it, it was sort of not as intended and I was really concerned about it. And ultimately, it didn't end up affecting the show all that much. And mm. so it's, I'll just tell you if you want, it's it's basically, you know, in the in the pilot of Jan, um, there are, there's sort of weather changes. And we block shoot our whole season at a yeah. time. So we're re and Calgary is very famously, you know, weather shifts happen really quickly. Like within a day. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a funny joke huh? until it's like, oh, my God, you're boning my episode. Yeah. But, um, you know, there was snow on the ground, tons of snow on the ground for the scene of her running through the fields and, and um, getting trapped on the fence and stuff like that. And that was not supposed to be a snowy scene. And in mm. fact, it's it, chronologically, it's only like, you know, a day later than this gorgeous sunny vista. So I was really concerned about that. And I was really panicked about how to make this right. I was like, it has to it has to make sense when you're watching it. We did do some we did address it in some ways. We actually um, 
uh, VFX added a bit of snow in a couple of other places, just a bit, so you get the scent. So that you get Whoa. the scent. I know. Yeah. I'm going to go back and watch. Please. Didn't notice anything. Yeah, and I usually notice stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well. we added some snow to it so that at least it felt like there were sort of rules of the world. Like, okay, out in the fields, it's snowy. In town, it is much warmer and the snow has basically melted to nothing. Is and that then the same episode kind of where between. she's performing in like the parking lot of a. Yeah, on a gorgeous sunny day, yeah. a dry sunny day. Um, so, yeah, it's the same episode and it's only like a two, one or two days apart in the story. So um, we did try to make, sell it geographically. I have not heard a single person come to me and say, that is so weird how the weather works in your show. Like nobody has said that. So it, I had to get all the way through season one to be like, OK, that was that was sort of a lot of um, energy expended that maybe I could have been a little more. Um, you know, just thinking big picture, are people caught up in that? No, they're not. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have that feeling about lots of other things. For example, I'm one of those people that I do not, I, there can be a story day in a show that appears to go on for like, you know, 50 hours because you're just seeing them from morning all the way till night. And uh, some people are like, this is a really long day. And I'm like, I don't care. I When I watch a show, I never think, I never care. It's like, well, they're wearing the same clothes. So does that mean it's like all this happened that one day? It to me, everything we're doing is a magical condensation of time. Mm -hmm. So, and if you watched any daytime at all in the '90s, some of those those soaps, <laughs> the days, the days would months. go on for weeks, <laughs> yeah. sometimes months. Yeah, exactly. Or but like, you suspend your disbelief. You know, do yeah. I want a Law and Order where we're actually tracking how long you know a DNA test actually takes to come back? No, no. I don't want that. That's not telling a story. So, um, so yeah. So I guess how I would sum that up is, um, you know, if you can take a step back and think, is it going to be perfect? No. Is it going to work? Yes. Then then you're good. You know, it's that desire for everything to be exactly what you wanted that you do kind of need to let go of a little yeah. bit. Mm -hmm. uh, before we take a break, yeah, uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about Jan okay. in depth. Um, I'm just, I'm wondering what qualities you look for in writers when mm -hmm. you are staffing a writer's room? Because I'm sure that there are, you know, emerging writers who want to want to get into some writer's rooms or story rooms, as you called them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm so yes. used to think, and well, I, I mean, use both. Yeah. Writer's room, story rooms, I use them for the exact same definition. I, you know what's so weird? Because in my mind, I, I imagine a story room is where you're like, you're like, it's so active and like everybody's like talking and yelling at each other and there's drones flying around <laughs> and Nerf guns. And then a writer's room is where you're writing. Oh. Well, I mean, just because just I need and to And yet the writer's things. room is also that insane one you no, just I know, described. No, I know. I know that that's totally Nerf, what it is, whatever. but that's where my brain goes. Well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just, I heard that Simon Barry had a drone on some show and then I'm just assuming Dennis. I have not been in a room with a drone. Yeah. Um, however, uh, lots of wild things. You know, the 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 or the room in the order had this. You know, a, a mounted. I think it's a bear head on the wall. With um, the, the cigarettes coming out of it. Yeah, side? that was a moose head. I have a photo. <laughs> was, okay. Yeah. I, I visited know. the set. That was just so freaking cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, in terms of what we look for in a writer, what I look for in a writer. No, no, that wasn't. Sorry, that was not the order. Oh. That was Ghost Wars. I was oh, confused. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I think it was a bear on. In the order, so there you go. There's, there's, there's a lot of crossover between those shows. Right? Definitely, there definitely is. Yes. Um, so, in terms of what I look for in a writer, I would. This is it's really tough because I would. My caveat would be, I think that there's 
many writers that can come together to do a job and how you actually select among those people is not a science in for me mm-hmm. I, it's really like wow this could have been you know four or five other people and it still would have worked it's just it's part of it is just an instinct and like making a choice it's like alchemy yeah i think so so um i think the things i look for well I will be perfectly honest and say, if I hear of someone that I haven't worked with and I read the script and I like it, I know we need to talk about like what's in the script that you like, but if I read a script and I like it, I will, like anybody I know who has worked with that person, I will just call them or email them. And I've had lots of calls myself that way, sort of like, so I saw you worked with so-and-so. What, you know, can you tell me, what can you tell me what that was like and what kind of energy they brought to the room? You know, energy in the room matters. Different shows are different, but a lot of shows do end up with some late, you know, some long days, some late days where you're just really struggling to solve a problem. And um, and you want people who are a good blend of, you know, a good mix of people to do that. And, you know, for me, that's mostly like positive people, helpers, people who are excited to be doing their job. (laughs) You know, all that stuff helps Um, people who love telling stories Um, in comedies. It's people who. Actually, in, in, in any room, I think it's people who throw out a lot of ideas, pitch a lot of ideas yeah. um, without being too, too precious um, about any particular one of them. Uh, yeah, idea generators are so useful. People That's who love to solve hard, problems. Though. I'm like, I, sorry, just like that yeah. point of like throwing out ideas without being precious. Like, because like, I and I've heard that. It's not, yeah. not the first time I've heard it. Um I mean, it's what Dennis always says about like evening at the improv meets a confessional or whatever. <laughs> like, and 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 I and I I get that you want you want it to be a safe mm-hmm. space and you want it to people to be generating ideas, but I I guess like you also want people to care as well, right? Yeah, about their ideas. Yes, about for sure. Characters. I think there is. I think there's room for both for sure. I think that um, I do think that one of the biggest skills you can bring to the table is is to be able to have an idea without thinking it's your identity. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if you put something out there and I don't like it, that's nothing about you. <laughs> like, that is not personal. It is truly, like, of all the ideas we could do, I don't want to do this one for whatever reason. There's lots of reasons to not want to do a particular storyline or scene or whatever. Um, and those are all things that we debate together. But um, I do think the ability to not take it personally is really helpful. And so uh, somebody, I can't remember who recently, somebody gave the advice to, you know, writers who are just starting out, junior writers, to not only get together um, to give each other feedback on their work, but to actually do that process together, like to to collaboratively work on something together mm. where you are throwing out ideas so that you get practice at that feeling of, that's fine. Nobody That's likes great. that one. Moving on. Because maybe on. you don't have that skill naturally. You yeah. Like, I see my nine-year-old does not have that 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 ability to take criticism. It you is know, a real... Very, gets very defensive. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, you you spelled that word wrong. Or well, what if you did that? Well, sometimes you're like, it, that's about me. That's yeah. like my... And it, it hurts your confidence. And it's like, it's like none of that is hopefully what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be completely about the ideas. And um, if you can figure out a way to put ideas out there. I'm very aware that uh, some of these things are easier for people who are a little more extroverted, a little more, um, a little, you know, maybe not, if you have anxiety, I understand, like it's gonna be harder. 
Um, but being able to practice that hopefully would help, mm -hmm. um, you know, get used to what that feels like to just to hear a no and not be like slapped in the face by it. Yeah. Um, I think that is a, is a big thing is sort of how somebody approaches the room. Bringing lots of ideas helps. You're right. I do think you want people to care. And sometimes I really respect somebody who's like, I'm only going to defend this this one time, but let me just explain a little further what I was thinking and then goes a little deeper into why they think their idea is a good idea. Yeah. Sometimes that works. Not going to lie. Like, ab absolutely. Sometimes it's like the way you said it didn't click for me. Then when we talked further, oh, I get it. I get okay. what you're saying. And I mean, so one of the things I do feel I, I like in a room, since we just naturally segued into it, is is people who are willing to push back a little bit to question. There, um, my approach in terms of breaking story is a lot of um, choosing a path and, and going down it. And because yeah. you have to go forward, you have to make choices. I think that, you know, indecision is the one trait that as a showrunner that will kill you. You have to be able to make a choice. You can change that decision. You can go back. You can say, nope, you know what? Everything we did today is not going to work. I'm going to do it. Because it sounds like parenting. <laughs> oh my God. Completely. Completely. It's like, you know what? For some reason, I'm standing <laughs> tall on this particular rule. Yeah. yeah, there is a lot of that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh my you start to like, I'm doubting myself now, but I'm just, I'm in it now. I'm in it. I gotta commit. What age were yeah. are you allowed to let them like see fear? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not there yet. No, um, me neither. Me yeah, neither. Mari's they not going to be allowed to listen they to this know. one. Yeah, <laughs> she's listened to other ones before, but she will not be will we not be listening. Nothing. We're just to pretending this one. to know what to do. Um, is there are there a lot of similarities then uh, between how you break story and the kind of environment that that you need to foster if you're working like in different genre? Or mm -hmm. is it all is it mm -hmm. all the same? Like, is, do rooms need to operate the same? Yeah, I think very very heavily the same. I mean, I have certainly heard of rooms that work a little differently. Um, but pretty much all of the rooms I've been in have worked the same, whether it's drama, you know, a supernatural show like The Order, the comedies I've worked on, um, in that we break story together. That part is very collaborative. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe the showrunner has a bit more of an idea of what they, like that top level, I want the episode to be about this. Um, and then we, we work from there. Or sometimes it's a true blank, you know, blank wall, no cards on it. You're like, okay. Um, so I do feel like that collaboration, that putting ideas out there, all that stuff works the same. And so whether you're drama or comedy or genre writer, I do feel like developing that skill, that ability to like put things out there is really useful. Yeah. In comedy, there is a whole added level of, um, if you can swing it, uh, being able to pitch jokes to add to things. So you're, you're, you're trying to, so maybe this skeleton is already there and you're trying to, trying to, you know, you're trying to punch it up. And so that is, uh, that I was definitely hard at first. I had a skeleton lying on the table. <laughs> and you're and you guys it. are like, yeah, why? Punching it. Punch it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear how television writing works. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the gestalt of the human body is a skeleton and a bunch of punches. Um, yeah, it's um, the comedy thing is not definitely not for everybody because there is that vibe of like, I know that I'm going to pitch a bunch of stuff that's not going to make anyone laugh. It's not going to work, but it's totally a numbers game. Yeah. You have to go in being like, I'm going to say stupid stuff all day. And if some of it's funny, great, we'll use it. And then most of it won't be. And I have to be okay with the fact that most of it won't be. I think both in drama and comedy, you have to get used to the idea that 
most of your ideas will not be used. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're not even good. It just means they will mostly not be used. So get used to the metric being different from other things in life. You know, if you can get to the point where you're like, okay, a bunch of numbers, a bunch of things that didn't work, but but you have to do it to get to the ones that do work. It's magical. <laughs> it's like making gold or yeah. baking. Yeah, All right. I don't bake, I don't bake very well. It's oh, but I love to bake goods. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. Okay. Um, because I really need one. Okay. And uh, and then when we come back, let's talk about just just Jan. 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 Great. <laughs> Jan. Jan. All right. This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Al Miro Studios' hilarious web series, How to Make It in Hollywood When You Are Foreign AF. Subscribe and binge all the episodes at www.youtube.com slash Al Miro Studios. Let's talk about Jan. All right. So being a teenager in the 1990s, um, I have certain associations with the music of Jan Arden, mm-hmm. um, a, a, a voice that cuts to my my soul and heart. my heart. <laughs> and I think of, of candles and incense <laughs> and, and just sitting in this chair I got at Pier 1 that was like round and, and just like really f- like imagining you know, um, just swimming in an ocean of tears. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so the fact that um, a, a sitcom has come from from those kind of <laughs> bubble of emotions just yeah. like boggles my mind. Yeah. And so t- tell me the origin story for, for Jan. Jan the show? For Jan. Um, yes, I will tell you that story. So that, the origin of that, so the, the actual origin of her being in a sitcom is a lot of people have felt like that would be a good idea um, because if you go to see her show, she's very funny. Yeah. Uh, she is really a hilarious person. I mean, I followed her on Twitter yeah, in, exactly. in more recent years before the show. So yeah. I was like, oh, there's yeah. the funny. Yeah, her personality and her, her, her timing stuff is very it's right there. So there are a lot of people who are like, I th- always knew she should be in comedy. Um, so that's that, you know, so it's not a completely unnatural fit if you know her as a human or have seen her or whatever. Um, in terms of the show itself, um, basically Jan is friends with um, a writer here in town named Leah Gautier mm-hmm. and who has, you know, until now had largely done um, reality based shows as a story person, as a producer. Um and they decided to come up with a show together. And they worked with um, Producer Friends Project 10 in Toronto. And they brought their, they had like a three-pager that they pitched to Bell. Um, and Bell was like, this is cool. You, we need you to bring a TV writer on board, someone who's who has the experience in, in this world and to come in and show run. Yeah. And I had, uh, I recently, I met uh, Ben Murray from Project 10 Productions at Banff, actually, uh, the Banff Media Festival. And... Um, that's when I started hearing that they had this show with Jan Arden and maybe they were looking for somebody. They thought maybe a woman would be a good fit. And um, so I was one of a number of people who were who had a phone interview and sort of, you know, responded to their material that they had. And I honestly I, I've said this to other people. So forgive me if you've heard this before, but I we only want fresh stuff I've, here. You have to say something <laughs> I to different. I have to lie to make it different. Um, I very sincerely did not think that I would be chosen for this job. Hmm. I had not showrun before, and I thought, yeah, they're going to give like the Jan Arden sitcom to 
some a woman in Vancouver who's never showrun before. That doesn't seem likely. So I'm very safe to just be very honest, be myself, pitch some ideas. Um, so in, I mean, I, I, when I read the material, I was like, this is a no brainer. This would be so much fun. I love, you know, I'm a big fan of the sort of meta fictional stuff. You know, yeah. I loved Larry David. That was one of my favorites growing up. Love Curb. Um, so where people play like a version of themselves, yeah. I already literally liked that as a, as a tone. When Jan was in town for something else to record um, her most recent album, actually. Yeah, because she's pretty nonstop with everything. Oh, she's such a busy person. She's writing books. She's yeah. an incredibly prolific person in just a variety of media, plus personal appearances and her touring and stuff. Um, it's quite inspirational, actually. It's just, you know, and she also knows how to rest in between, which is also really inspirational. Um, yeah. <sighs> it's learn a how thing. to do that It's a real better. thing. It's a real thing. So... We met in person, um, Jan and Leah and I, and we went out for dinner and had a great time. I still thought absolutely zero chance that I'm going to get this job. Um, so it was very even not, with the dinner. Was, yeah, it was. Like, Do you think they were going not, for dinner with everybody? I'm. I I knew they were meeting with a couple of people in Toronto, and I just really thought that's what was going to happen. Yeah, and. Um, I, so it just it was a great lesson in just yeah. chill because, you know, maybe you have a better shot if you're actually yourself. So uh, we had a great time and a great we still talk about that. We sort of like ended it with a, you know, walking through McDonald's for a cone and um, and uh, walking around Vancouver a little bit. And yeah, so after some it was not that long after that that I found out that Jen and Leah wanted to work with me. And so that was <laughs> so exciting. Was it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it was, but especially because you yourself said you hadn't showrun before. You didn't think that you were going to get it. Yeah, you get it now. You're a showrunner. Yeah, I, would I mean, imagine there'd I mean, be a little I wasn't bit of like a showrunner. There was definitely the now you're developing yeah. scripts with these folks. You're developing a show, so then it became, dear God, this is this. Th she should have a show. So if you're the one who's the showrunner brought on board and you fuck it up. Like it's this is your on you. <laughs> yeah, there's the terror I was looking for. It was for. really yes. Yeah, so, so learning that they liked me was exciting. Realizing this the the sort of the pressure was um, was very terrifying. It was definitely like don't mess it up. Um, but I just tried to at every turn we were just trying to make something that we all liked and yeah. would want to watch. And that also played to Jan's strengths, of course, like, you know, leaning into the fact that, you know, that it is a fictionalized version of of her life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely there were a lot of moments where it was a little bit like, is this really happening? Like, I kind of don't still don't quite believe it. Um, and then here we are. So just very, very grateful. <laughs> How involved is Jan? I feel like we're all of us in Canada on a first name basis with, <laughs> yeah. with Jan now. But how involved is she in the the story room? See, I'm trying it very and in involved in in you know laying out you know the the arc of her of her character. So Jan is very present throughout all of the story breaking process. What happens first? So we've now done two seasons. We're hoping to start a third in, with the same kind of pattern. What happens first is Jan and Leah and I get together and do some early brainstorming about what is going to happen this season overall what's the overall arc for for the character of jan what's the overall sort of you know is there a theme sort of for the season um and and what are we kind of exploring what kinds of stories and then we'll brainstorm a bunch of episode ideas that yeah. may or may not have sort of a shape to them yet like they may not sort of f fit in perfectly within that idea of an arc we had 
But um, we sort of do that early. Basically, I write a story arc document based mm. on what comes out of that writing room. But that is, Jan is, you know, one third of our writing room at that point. Yeah. And then I go away and I sort of type it up and make it look nice. And then we talk to the network, the producers and the network about um, about this proposal and sort of what, you know, everyone thinks it's like, well, what if you added this? What if we didn't do this yet? You know, think the questions. And then when we go into an actual writing room, we have a document that everybody has kind of agreed. Yes, this is kind of what the season will be like. Yeah. Um, the episodes might just be like a little paragraph springboard for some episode ideas. Um, but then we would start as a room, a, a bigger room. But Jan is in that as well. We start a bigger room, including Jan. Um, and we look at, OK, here's the season. Like, for example, season two, eight episodes we got. So roughly where are we starting her in, in episode one? Roughly where do we want to end in episode eight? What are some of the sort of like big tentpole things we might want to do throughout the season? You know, we've we've always wanted to do, um, you know, where Jan judges a school contest. So let's, you know, so we were like, where should that be in the, yeah. in the season? Um, so it really is sort of taking all the ideas that have been out there and starting to make choices and see what could the season look like. And then we delve into breaking each episode and say, okay, this is the one mostly about X. Let's dig, dig into that. And what's the sort of a good B story for this? And that's got to be really surreal for Jan. I, I got to imagine, you know, I mean, and, I, and maybe it maybe not at this point. I mean, she's written a book and 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 poured her life into her music. <laughs> yeah, she's as, very open as well. But, you know, like to, to be to be sitting there talking about story points for uh, for a. Uh, a, a, a version of herself yeah. for you know and then when when there are you know like there's the spec I mean her her, her mother's you know yes. illness is is in the show mm-hmm. um and uh, I mean that's what the book you know mm-hmm. was about mm-hmm. what 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 do you what do you do you know as as the showrunner and um as now like a close colleague of Jan to like ensure that you know you're you're mining her personal life uh-huh. you know while also respecting her privacy that's that got to be definitely Definitely one of the big challenges, but this is why it's so valuable to have her in the room. Yeah. You know, there's another version of all this where we go away and we come up with story ideas and then we propose them to Jan, our star and executive producer, and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And then she would just be reacting and and probably some of the time be like, I don't really want to do that. And then we've already wasted a bunch of time on a whole story we've plotted out. So having her there, not only, first of all, she is really funny and really great story instincts. And she absolutely contributes while we're building stuff. Mm. But also it's so valuable to hear from her. You know, we'll talk about something for five minutes and then she'll be like, I don't think so. I don't want to do this one. And we'll be like, moving on. Then it's my job to be like, let's move on. Because um, there's, I don't want to waste any time on something that, is making her feel uncomfortable and we walk we, we walk the line in terms of like you know and we'll just be like where's your comfort level on this and usually she's the one that I think that our instinct to um, not protect but like shield her from like the absolute you know most I don't know horrible storylines that's more on us than it is on her she will ab- she's in she she usually pitches the more extreme stuff she had her crotch stuck to I'm pretty sure that was her idea barbed wire I'm pretty sure that was her oh it yeah. was so it was so good <laughs> it was I mean uh, there's a lot that I love about about that season I love when um Sharon and Zoe go to the spa you yeah know, like there, there's one. like some really great stuff there but for you what are some of your most memorable storylines well I mean see from season one 
Right, because, well, that's all we can say right now, right? <laughs> I know, I know I you have really. season two in your mind as well, but the I rest do. of us have not well, had the there opportunity There are things yet. that are going to be promoted, promoted very soon. So I think some of the things I can say about season two, um, there's definitely going to be a physical battle with Sarah McLaughlin. You are going to see Sarah McLaughlin on our show. And um, things are going to get down and dirty. So that was a very memorable, surreal day where you're like, I really can't believe we wrote this and now I'm watching this happen. <laughs> but I'm very excited. <laughs> oh my God, um, me too. As somebody yeah. who attended Lilith Fair. Yes, same. Um, at I the had to Molson, drive to Buffalo to Molson do Amphitheater, 1999. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That, it's, and that's honestly, amazing. Sarah was such an incredible sport. It was that's another person I don't associate with comedy I associate with like just like uh, uh, angel dying on Buffy the vampire slayer and then I yeah awful and Um, then like dogs needing money I know exactly so I too was sort of and she was a little more nervous but I don't think she thinks of herself as like an actor in that way Um, and she was so happy to do everything that we asked and it's just a lovely lovely person to come out and you know um, play with us basically that's the joy also of the show right is that you yeah, I mean you do have the um, all the pantheon of Canadian yeah. talent who comes out yeah. uh, I, I'm assuming the 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 episode with Rick Mercer was very serious. Oh, yes. No laughter. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I mean, so like what are some, you know, of, of the more I mean, memorable. That was, a, that was a very yeah. memorable episode. And that especially because we were shooting in this mansion on a hill. Like it was it was hard to shoot, but a beautiful place. And um, having him there was just this whole added level. The scene in that episode, not the party stuff, but when she's approaching him on the hillside and he's just like bird watching. Yeah. That was one of the most fun things to shoot. That was so, and th- that scene still makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> Everything about it, make, you know, it, I enjoy, but also like even like her little toque, she's like walking along, her little <laughs> toque is bobbing along. Every piece of it is just lovely. Um, that was really memorable. And you're just like, is this happening? Am I watching this? Um, I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, the barbed wire was definitely like, I cannot believe this is happening. And honestly, she, the director, Ron Murphy, was like, don't fall. Don't trip and fall. Like, I understand the script is like she's, you know, stumbling and stuff. But don't, we we really do not want you to get hurt. And Wait, there's no stunt double for the... <laughs> there was. I can tell you exactly where the stunt double is visible on screen. Yeah. There is one beat of a stunt double. The stunt double falls out of the car. Yeah. After it has hit the, actually that's not true. I mean the 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 aerial stuff where it's like hitting the shed and it's exploding. That stuff is a stunt. That's a stunt driver. I love the, the idea that there are people who have not watched the show yet, and they're like, <laughs> I'm hoping they convince you to do it. I mean, like, what well, else? Well, I mean, need? it's. I mean, I know it has lots of viewers already, but you know, seriously, I mean yeah. that. That really just set the tone for me. So yes, the yeah. explosion. Yes, exploding. The- so the, so the, the big driving stuff is a stunt driver. That's, I think, very standard. You kind of need, if if we're like, you know, going really fast on a country road, you kind of do need that that professional to do that. Yes. But um, so it hits the, the big gag. It hits the shed, which explodes. And then you come back, you see the Range Rover. Is it a Range Rover? It's not a Range Rover. It's a, yeah, it is a Range Rover. She opens the, the door and falls out to the ground. Mm-hmm. That for a brief moment is a stunt double and everything else is her. So her running and serpentining in through the snow and um, 
Definitely all the stuff <laughs> in the beginning, like falling. She falls down multiple times. I'm sorry. It's so funny. Uh, it's, you know. I mean, God, I'm sorry she that she her. suffered for her This was also for the her very comedy. last day of shooting season one. The, the day had been pushed already because of weather stuff and because of illness. So it was the very last day is, what, is when we did all of that stuff. All of the um, field stuff. So, so you oh. could have broken her, uh, <laughs> and yeah. it wouldn't have affected the That's rest right. of the time. Fine, yeah, no problem. Season, yeah. Oh, <laughs> she was about to go out on tour, but gosh, yeah. I mean, okay. So we cannot. We will be wrapping soon. Yeah, because uh, although I think that we could talk all day, <laughs> yeah. but we can't. We cannot let this episode go without talking about the rest of the cast because mm-hmm. while Jan's name is on the yeah. show and she's such a I mean she is the foundation yes. stone it's an ensemble yes. show 100%. you know in, you know including some Vancouver talent as well yes. Sharon Taylor and Patrick Gilmore yes. you know but also but also Zoe Palmer and also mm-hmm. Elena I can't say what what a great Hot Yep, Jason Blicker, yeah. Alexa Rose Steele, Deb Grover. Yes. We are extraordinarily lucky to have that yeah. um, cast. Uh, honestly. Lucky, though, because you well, guys also put it together. Like, I what know. were you looking for? I will totally confess, I don't consider casting to be my big strength. I find it, I get very anxious and nervous about putting two people together that shouldn't be together and, you know, to basically making the mistake. Um or being uh, interested in the wrong thing. So I'm making I'm faces watching. at you. No one yeah. can see, but like, do you like think incredulous. it's not your strength? This is one of the what most I, well. Because I say that because this was such a collaborative effort, the casting part. Because Leah Gauthier, my co-creator, is so good at that. She did a lot of casting in her other career. Um, so she's very good and has strong opinions. And I, yeah. I would find my opinions kind of. Well, I like them both, you know. And oh, you're so nice. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if that's nice. That's just like ineffectual at a certain point. But, um, but she was really great. Ron Murphy, our director, was really great. Jan herself had amazing instincts. She did chemistry stuff with all of the sort of front runners for each okay. of the roles. Um, but there was definitely a. I mean, all of the people that we cast were absolute like blew us out of the water, a hundred percent. So. Um, that is 100%. There were a couple of people that it was like, it's this person. It yeah. has to be this person. Was Deb Grover was one of those people. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. That was like, yeah, that's a done deal. Um, God, that must be so... That must yeah. have been a really challenging uh, role as well to cast, or at least maybe the anticipation was, of it. Yeah, it was. And that one was maybe more than any other one um very important for Jan to feel like this feels right mm. this relationship feels right there's a certain quality that is a little like my mom you know we we actually yeah. did look for that um and Sharon was actually one of the other ones that was super important because it was like this is going to be Jan's girlfriend like this is somebody they're good we knew what we were what we'd written we knew um that that relationship was going to be sort of on again at times in this season and that Jan needed to be comfortable with whoever this actress was and they needed to have a bit of a spark and so um that was another one that i think pretty sure jan came and and did her chemistry read with um sharon in person so they actually did have the the in-person um you know sort of second round audition together it was it's so exciting as somebody who is um a fan of sharon taylor Mm -hmm. and a friend of sharon taylor yeah uh to to see her uh, in this setting it's so different right comedy i know yeah but it's like she's i mean she's still a goddess she's Uh still you know like yeah she still has that stature that she has just because she's she's sharon yeah taylor sharon taylor but also like to to see her do comedy to see her be silly you know that i mean that spa episode yeah 
bonkers fun. Yeah. Just to focus on the two Vancouverites, Sharon and Patrick Gilmore. Yes. You know, and Patrick is somebody who traditionally we've off, also often seen in sci-fi and yeah. in genre stuff. More ser- He can be a lighter character for he sure, can, but, but still within this world. And travelers. So, yeah. Oh, my God. So for them to both be coming and playing with us and really getting into silly stuff, and it was really... It was very exciting. I think one of the and Zoe was is the same. Oh, so, of course, Zoe. Right? Yes. So Zoe, I don't. I, th- she's. I guess the Sex with Kids is the the movie. But for the most part, we see her in fairly serious roles. She's like that kind of badass. Yeah, she's Sharon's dark matter and yeah. um, lost girl. Yeah. And, and so one, of the, we do really love that we're seeing all these people in a different in a different way. Even like Alexa, who's you know biggest huge role was um uh degrassi mm-hmm. you know her getting to come and play and do light stuff uh and, and be a little silly was i think a big change for her as well so well i mean that seems to be the thread that yeah. runs between everybody involved with this show everybody's doing something a little different than what they yeah. they've done before so i guess i mean i know we're, we're hoping for season three excited yes. to watch season two yeah. um but but regardless yes and uh, see if you can work a stalt into your answer. <laughs> um, how do you think, though, the experience of of show running Jan and being part of that that universe, you know, will mm-hmm. change you as an artist, as a writer, mm. as a human being moving forward? Okay. That's a really big one. With gestalt. <laughs> <laughs> gestalt, gestalt, gestalt. Um, I... Wow. Okay. I feel like um I I feel like incredibly lucky. Um I, I've been I felt very lucky for these two seasons to both yes, I work very hard and I and I think I didn't screw it up, so it's like I I'm aware of my what I bring to the table. But I also feel like I had this team is incredible, the creators and the producers, everybody's incredible. Um and then our cast, like you say, and the writers that we've been working with have been so awesome. Um I am trying to be to genuinely be grateful because I'm aware that um, it, however good you are, there's no guarantee you get to do this. And so yeah. I, I really kind of, you know, had an opportunity to do something that not everybody gets an opportunity to do. I'm very, very aware of this. Um, so trying to be grateful. I think probably the biggest way this has changed me as a, an artist is that I now would have a lot more trouble um, pitching ideas because I think they have a shot at being picked up mm. because there's enough of my heart in this one and I see what that feels like to like really be passionate about the story you're telling and yeah. care that it would be really hard to, like I have I am very sure that I will work for other people again and all those things and that's that's a bit different but in terms of like going out there and pitching something that you don't feel strongly about I think I think I'm gonna have to feel strongly about it now Hmm. because um yeah there's just something about that like I I think that I think that when you care about something it shows yeah and I think I'm hoping that people can see the love in the show oh fuck yeah (laughs) fuck yeah fuck yes (laughs) it's brimming with heart did you you. gestalt thank you you didn't gestalt. gestalt. Yeah. Okay, thank and you. And a very um, gestalt to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you Jenica so, Harper. So Harper. Harper. Uh, where can our fans find you, follow you on the social media? The social, me- social meds. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, just my name, Jenica Harper, and uh, Instagram, too. It's just my name. 
All right. Nothing fancy. And uh, everybody watch Jan. Yes. On season, season two. two coming soon. Season two coming so soon. <laughs> I am. I am so excited about it uh, did you get to go to the wolf sanctuary because I know a bunch of the cast went to the wolf sanctuary. I have not been in. to the wolf sanctuary I have been to the donkey sanctuary it is also amazing I Jan brought Leah and I to where they protect donkeys in the snow one day and the donkeys like followed our car as we were leaving they're, they're just the best Donkeys are the cutest. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. I just Are don't. you saying that donkeys are not as cool as wolves? I'm because back the hell off. Donkeys are amazing. Donkeys oh. have it all. They are I, the gestalt <laughs> animal. I'm crying. I'm never coming back, am I? I'm crying. I never. Never. Oh, I'm crying. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our listeners. Please, I'm going to really try have a hard time holding it together. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review if you are so inclined. Look, wolves, though, are majestic. Like, Sharon had all these gorgeous photos of just wolves in the... Just, I'm just trying to imagine... Look, I want to meet a majestic You know it's donkey. a comedy, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's just not right. The wolves uh, are when I was working on The Order. That oh. makes sense. Donkeys are a little more our style, I, just, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold it together now. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, okay, again, like and subscribe. Leave us a review. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenscene. Really trying to hold this together right now. <laughs> the YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by myself, Sabrina Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger, we are a family business, for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger, Devalet for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Do you see I'm really holding it? It's My great. voice is so like low it. right now, I'm holding it in. <laughs> Join us next time for another deep dive into Fish. Cooper's dynamic film and television scene. Oh, God. You got this. You got this. I got it. And cut. <laughs>